This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 28. Holy moly, this is a topic I learned so much about. I had a couple moms reach out who were recently diagnosed with MS, and to be honest, I didn't know a lot about it, but what I learned is incredible. I reached out to Alex from hello my tribe and she is a mama who also has ms and runs this amazing mama support business from blogs to meetup groups hello my tribe is just beautiful and really adding a a lovely space to our mama community supporting moms both through pregnancy birth postpartum and she very openly shared her story and also her sister's story of having MS and what that means for her as a parent and as a person. And I was shocked to learn that women, especially women in their childbearing years, are most commonly diagnosed with MS. Uh, Really opened my eyes to a lot of this. And she talks about early signs and symptoms and what that looked like for her and how it can vary for other folks. I hope this can be a resource for you. And even if you aren't living with MS right now, Um, Maybe you know someone who is and you could share this with them so they could have a resource to turn to as well. If you're digging this podcast, would you scroll down in iTunes and click those stars and leave a review? I read every single one and they make my heart sing. Um, I'm producing this content for free and I love doing it, but some days are long, man, and those reviews really keep me going. So thanks so much. I would love to hear from you. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blast Campbell. Hey, Alex, welcome to Voices of Your Village. Thank you, Alyssa, for having me. Yeah, it's such a treat. Uh, You're so, so sweet. Right when I reached out, you were 
automatically so kind and welcoming and, and willing to join oh. us. So I'm grateful for that. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Sure. So I am the founder of Hello My Tribe. I have an almost four-year-old, which is just amazing to me. I'm so thankful to be where I am now on my motherhood journey. My husband and I found out we were pregnant two weeks before our wedding. In January, it will be five years. And we were very, very excited. I very much wanted to be a young mom, but it was also very surprising. Looking back, I don't think I was necessarily ready for motherhood. I don't know, though, if you're ever ready for motherhood. But it was definitely like an interesting ride, being pregnant at your wedding, being pregnant on your honeymoon. And at that time, I had a really thriving career, although for me, it was full of a lot of pressure and stress and anxiety. I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and I don't turn off usually, which motherhood now has taught me I have to turn work off. <laughs> it's really impossible to do both. But at that time, like I worked all day, any day, weekends, nights, all of it. And I actually was very burned out. And so when I got pregnant, I kind of saw this as the perfect time in my life to say, I'm going to close the chapter on you know, that specific part of my career. And at this time, I'm going to focus on my pregnancy and being a stay-at-home mom. I really thought I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So um, I had a lovely, I think it was lovely, I don't really remember much, <laughs> a lovely pregnancy. Um, I really enjoyed being pregnant. I didn't have any complications. Um, kind of like the hiccup in my mind during my pregnancy was that I ended up not necessarily getting along with my OB. It's funny because, you know, I'm a very opinionated person. I like to read, do my research. But when I found out I was pregnant, I didn't really think or realize I needed to find an OB that matched me and my values and what I wanted as a, you know, a woman going through labor and all of that. And so I called my gyno and I said, hey, I'm, I think I'm pregnant. Um, I'd like to come in. And they said, well, your doctor is not actually an OB. So we will reassign you to the OB in our office. And I said, okay. I really didn't know there was any different option. Um, and so I saw that OB for about five months. And at five months, a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, this is not right for me, this relationship. Um, I didn't feel like I was being involved. Um, and so at that point, I went to kind of like the other opposite extreme. And I went, I decided I wanted to have a, a home birth. And I switched to a midwife and I loved that whole experience. And then came the end of my pregnancy. I went to 42 weeks. Um, I labored at home for days, um, not progressing. I ended up having my membrane swept. I had to have my water broken. And I still, I mean, I was in labor, like could not move. I finally, after you know, 12 hours in a bathtub, I was like, I got to get this baby out of me or I'm going to die. So I'm amazed I was able to stand up because I really didn't think I could. At that point, my midwife, you know, told me his heart rate was dropping. My son's heart rate was dropping. And so we need to go to hospital right now. And kind of just fast forward to the story, I ended up having an emergency C-section. And I had a really painful recovery. I think it's from days and days, you know, going 42 weeks pregnant, days and days of labor, mostly in my back. 
um, not sleeping for, you know, almost a week prior to, you know, birthing my son and then having a C-section and I responded really poorly to medicine and, um, I had to be kept in recovery longer. I don't remember meeting my son for the first time. It was kind of a rough start, you know, I, to admit it, you know, it was a really rough start for me. And I was this person who I really focused on my pregnancy and I focused on birth and I focused on, I didn't go down like this huge rabbit hole of, um, baby registry and all of that. I didn't even have a baby shower, but I did go down a rabbit hole of, you know, healthy products and non-toxic this and that. And so I, that I was so heavily focused on that, that I wasn't focused on my postpartum journey at all. I didn't have a support system lined up. Um, and you know, pretty quickly I became a mess yet, you know, nobody really talked about it. I didn't talk about it. I mean, I guess it was obvious, but again, nobody talked about it. I, you know, pretty quickly went from being like elated to being a mom and I didn't have any issues with breastfeeding. I didn't have any issues, um, with bonding with my son, but I quickly went to feeling like isolated, feeling lonely, regretting what I did. Um, you know, the change of my life, going through an identity crisis, um, having situational postpartum depression, mostly to a lack of a support system, you know, having anxiety and, you know, I'm, it's really funny, like looking back, like I'm extremely proud of the mom that I was and that I am today, but I was really unhappy deep down, but I think I hid it really well from my son. Obviously he's a baby, but you know, but I would have those days where I, you know, I'd be up throughout the night doing the night shift on my own and spending the day by myself because I wasn't getting out of my house, didn't join a mother's group. And I would just wake up and just go down the stairs and be like, I cannot believe I have to do this all over again. What am I going to do for the next 12 hours? Mm -hmm. So this kind of progressed for me. And about five months postpartum, I called the OB that gave me my emergency C-section and I went and saw him. And this is amazing, Alyssa. He spent like an hour with me and he's the one who taught me about postpartum self-care tips, which are, you know, make new mom friends or join a mom's group, have quality time for yourself, spend time outside, eat, eat well, sleep, exercise. And although I didn't implement probably none of those. I didn't implement any of those at that point. Um, that's just kind of when it all started for me, like the, all of it clicking together. I think I was so deep in a hole that, you know, for me, I had a hard time like going on a walk. It sounds so silly, but like I didn't have a routine of taking a walk with the baby in the stroller every single day, which, you know, I, I wish I had done. So kind of fast forward through all of this. Um, I started to pull myself out. I did some consulting jobs here and there, which helped me in some aspects of my life, but then created more stress in others. You know, you have to book a babysitter, you have to pump, you're worried about your child, you know, those types of things. Um, there's, it's, it's such a balance, right? Making it all work. And then I think the, the biggest factor for me was not having a mom's group and also not sleeping through the night. My son did not sleep through the night until he was 18 months old. And I continued to breastfeed um, until he was about 21 months. And the sleeping through the night, I think, really 
the not sleeping through the night did a huge number on me. And when my son was, um, it was the actual, the month that he was turning one years old, one year old, my feet went numb. And I had this crazy sensation of like a electrical current that went up and down my spine every time I moved my neck down. And so this was when I was 12 months postpartum. And interesting, I actually had those symptoms probably three, four, five years prior to that when I was working like crazy. And I had an acupuncturist and a sports therapist um, tell me they thought it was stress related. And so I kind of tried to de-stress, although I don't think I did it very well. <laughs> and my sim- those symptoms went away. But 12 months postpartum, the symptoms came back. And I went through kind of the same thing of going to see a sports therapist, just feeling like this was something that had to do with muscle or, I don't know, joints. And um, they actually recommended that I go get a blood test. Um, And then that's kind of when my journey being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease started. And so that was September, October symptoms continued. My husband, you know, I went to get the blood test. My husband recommended that I go see a neurologist because I was constantly complaining of neck pain. And, um, it was in, I think it was in November when my neurologist called and she says, I am certain that you have multiple sclerosis. And, um, this is such an interesting perspective. Of course, like I start crying, I'm overwhelmed, but at the same time, Alyssa, I felt so hopeful. I felt like now I have an excuse to like get help. Mm-hmm. Now I have an excuse to slow down. Now I have an excuse to relax, you know, and it's so sad to me that we have to wait until those like big moments in your life to realize that you need to slow down or take care- better care of yourself. But that's my story. So that was November, you know, continue kind of going along that process of being diagnosed. January, I got switched to a different doctor, a neurologist who focuses only on multiple sclerosis. Um, I had a lumbar puncture to confirm it was MS. And in January 2016, yeah, 2016, he confirmed I have MS. Um, And this, it also wasn't a hugely scary diagnosis for me because my sister about five years prior was also diagnosed with MS. And I just remember being in the hospital with her, her case was a lot worse and it was different than mine. I remember, you know, my dad and people saying, don't worry, like there's a ton of medicines. They probably will have this like you know, solved or cured in the next 10 to 15 years. Because MS used to be this, you know, I think it was like they would say five years to cane, 10 years to a wheelchair. Mm. And that is not the scenario now. People are diagnosed earlier, which they're in better shape, or the the disease hasn't progressed further along. There are more modern medicines. And so, you know, it's... This is so weird, but to me, I feel like it's a blessing. Like, I hate that it's happened. But I'm also like really thankful and I truly feel like it's a blessing because there have been a lot of positives that have come out of my diagnosis. And so I'm still learning. Yeah, it woke me up and I practice self-care like it's going out of style. And for (laughs) for me, very much in style. So that's right. (laughs) And I think for me, like 
something was going to happen anyways, right? Like if I continued down that path of, you know, my postpartum Mm -hmm. struggles or depression or anxiety or being a workaholic or being stressed out all the time, like something was going to happen. Like we know if you're stressed out all the time, that's a a formula, right? For a disaster. So to me, it could have been a lot worse. I could have been diagnosed later on in life when I had many more lesions and my my walking was affected or my eyesight was affected. Yeah. Or so can I, been, can I, pause yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know a lot about MS. Like when I think mm-hmm. of MS, I actually think like my first thought was West Wing um, where the president was diagnosed with MS in West Wing in like the nineties. Oh, yeah. Um, and like, that was my only point of reference for it until kind of pretty recently some gals in my life were diagnosed with MS and um, which is where this episode was born but I would like to learn, like, what are, I read a thing that, like, women are mm-hmm. most at risk. And I, I guess I want to learn more about, like, what ages does that happen? What are the initial signs of it? Like, what would one look for? Having Sage-approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and mealtimes, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean It's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I wanna show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. So I think it's really interesting and sad that the mo- most people who are diagnosed with MS are women in their childbearing years. Mm. And I don't know for fact, but I, 
I feel like that's also very common for other autoimmune diagnosis. Um, You know, your body's going through a lot. You're depleted. You're not focusing on yourself. You're not sleeping. You're stressed out. What's going to happen, right? Totally. Um, So yes, MS, women and their childbearing years, although it does affect anyone and everyone, and it looks different for everybody. So for example, my sister went numb in half of her body. And so she calls her doctor. Her doctor thought maybe she was having a stroke. And my sister, though, I actually saw her that night. She came to dinner about an hour late. And she was like, I'm numb in half my body. (laughs) And then that night she went to the hospital. Wow. Yeah. And then at, at some point, I think she was probably a year through her diagnosis, she went blind in one of her eyes. It was temporary, um, but very scary, right? So for me, um, my symptoms are always, it has always been tingling and numbness kind of in my feet and lower half of my body, the neck vibration, like down my spine, neck pain. However, I don't have these things all the time. I have stuff that kind of lasts. And if I'm having a flare up, um, which I haven't had one since I've gone on medicine, but if I have a flare up, then things get worse. Mm-hmm. So the flare up that resulted in me going in medicine, cause I waited about a year before going on medicine because I was still breastfeeding my son and I was not ready to give that up. And no modern day medicine, no, no MS medicine is approved to breastfeed because they've never tested it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had to stop breastfeeding. And then my doctor also wanted me to go on birth control because again, no medicine is approved while you're on, while you're pregnant. And that I have never been on birth control before. I'm someone who doesn't like taking medicine. It was a a struggle to convince me (laughs) to go on birth control and to go on another blue pill, my MS medicine. But I had a flare up. My son um, had a nasty virus for all the moms listening. He had hand, foot, and mouth. Mm. Um, And so I didn't sleep. Yes, we've had it (laughs) twice. So um, this was in August, the month he started preschool. He got hand, foot, and mouth. didn't sleep for three nights, like no sleep. And then I'm pretty sure I got hand, foot, and mouth that time. And then I went like pretty much not numb to like, I couldn't walk or feel my body, but numb to where it didn't feel like it was my body from the waist down until about January or February. So it was like a six month period. Wow. Like I would touch my legs. This sounds funny, but it's like, I would wipe myself in the bathroom and I'd be like, this is not my body. Hmm. You know, like Every time I would get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night or in the morning, I'd put my feet on the ground and just beg, please feel like my feet. Please feel like my feet. And for six months, they did not feel like my feet. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going on medicine. Like I can't, I can't do this again. And it's creating more damage to my body. And thankfully my son was like already kind of weaning himself. He was 21 months. He was almost two. And so it ended up working out really well. Um, and then I've heard other stories, like there's um, uh, a, a guy who lives in Austin. He actually went to my high school. His dad's a famous football player. He was in his 20s, I think, um, probably in college. And one morning he got out of bed and he put his feet down and just fell flat on his face mm. because his, you know, he had, he had MS, which means you have lesions, multiple lesions. I think it has to be on both your spine and your brain. So depending on where your lesions are, it creates damage. Um, in that part of your body. So I know other people, I know people who have MS who are wheelchair bound. 
Do they? So it comes in all forms. Do they remove lesions or they're treating it with no. medication? Yeah. Not that I know of. I don't think there is anything that you can remove a lesion. Most medications out there are simply to, um, they can't change anything that's been done. So but, it's like preventing it from growing. Yes, or from your flares being worse. However, there's some major stuff happening in here with stem cell research. I know someone who traveled to Israel. Um, his, his MS was a lot worse than mine. Like I don't need to do anything drastic like that. It does not affect my day-to-day life. He went to Israel and, had, and lived there for about a year and did some sort of stem cell transplant or replacement. I don't know what you call it. And he claims to no longer have symptoms, no longer have new lesions. I think he, you know, is essentially cured. Um, I also have a family friend who was actually my, like part of my diagnosis team. Um, he had MS, he was in his fifties or sixties and it was greatly affecting his life. And because he was older, um, he went through a trial with medicine and although it gave him like a 2000% higher chance of having cancer, it also like put his MS into, um, remission. And so he no longer takes his MS medicine. He gets, you know, MRIs every once in a while and has no, no progression. But at one point that medicine, it was a trial and someone I think did die. And so yeah. it, it wasn't approved for a long time. I think it might be on the market now. And amazingly, women who go off their MS medicine, they get pregnant, they do go into a form of remission of their mm. MS. There's some hormone that protects a woman during pregnancy. And then what I'm told is they do tend to have a big flare up somewhere, you know, between one and 12 months postpartum. Cause again, you're, you've been going through a lot of stress. And so there are biotech, you know, medical, um, I'm totally botching that term industries that are creating new medicines that replicate that female hormone oh, that women cool. produce when they're pregnant pregnant, um, to help address MS. That's really cool. Um, so it's, it's moving, it's moving and grooving. That's rad. Yes. Cool. So it is your sister has it and you have it. Is it genetic? You know, I haven't read up on this in a long time. I've heard both sides of it. People saying, no, it might be other people saying there's no research to back that. One of my neurologists actually did say that she had quite a few sisters who had MS. I just, I don't think they've like fully figured that piece out yet. And, you know, there's all this research about epigenetics and how you're born with these genes, but you can turn some on and some off. And so two sisters might be both predisposed to to mm-hmm. this disease, one person though, it gets turned on and one person, it gets turned off or both of them turn it on. So I think there's just a lot happening with genes and gen- Totally. Yeah, no, that it, it's interesting. Cause I wonder as you were talking about like the link with stress, I was wondering like what role, because your flare ups you said seem to kind of coincide with stressful times. What role did stress play in kind of flaring up and, and turning that on in a sense. Yes. So, you know, I've thought about this a lot and obviously I, I was predisposed to having MS, but I'm someone who I think I, I personally played a big part in being diagnosed with MS. I think I caused it. 
I don't want to, I'm not blaming myself, but I also do feel like I was responsible and did create this. Um, and I actually, by viewing it this way, I can then say, because I created this, I can, I'm in control again to, you know, to de-stress and, you know, hopefully play a positive role on, you know, what MS looks like for me. Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, hormone harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit? feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code village at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code village for 15% off today. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Yeah, no, that is powerful. So what does, you mentioned self-care is a huge part of your life. Um, like it was going out of style. I like that. But what does that look like for you? Yeah. So number one, I focus heavily on eating healthy foods, uh, anti-inflammatory diet. I'm not perfect by any means, but like I avoid alcohol. I don't eat much sugar. I don't eat much gluten. I go through spurts, you know, where I'm like, I'm gluten-free. I'm doing this. And then I accidentally eat some bread. I'm like, this is delicious. So yes, I'm not (laughs) perfect. Um, so diet for me is really important. I take a lot of supplements. Um, I did some gene testing and, you know, learned about some, um, mutations or whatever you want to call them that I have. One of them being, I don't, um, process out 
like I don't remove toxins from my body. And so I need to take supplements that help me remove toxins. And supposedly my doctor said, that's why I'm a high strung person because everything's (laughs) stuck inside of me. Um, You know, so I think supplements play a big part, making sure you get enough B12. I also have the gene where I can't process B12 properly. So taking the right type of B12, which for me is with a folate, um, you know, nobody gets enough vitamin D, whether, you know, Mm -hmm. your diet is plant-based or your diet is meat or, you know, unless you live by the equator, like equator, nobody gets. Yeah. And I live up in Vermont, so we're definitely not getting enough vitamin D. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So make sure to take your vitamin D and then sleep is really important to me. Um, I make sure to go to bed early I, you know, when I can, I try to get breaks from my son so that I can sleep past five or six or seven in the morning. If need be, I take naps. Um, Exercise. Exercise has also been an interesting thing for me because I used to like workouts like, like running, although I wasn't ever a big runner, but like bar or things that like kind of now I'm able to realize they're actually stressful when you're doing them. And that's not the right type of exercise for me. So for me, it's actually walking. Like I walk a ton. Um, That's my like, and then I do like squats and lunges and kind of like weights, which is really good for your bones and work on my balance. That's important. I think attitude. I, I see a therapist when need be. And then just other things like I say no a lot. If I'm not feeling well and I have dinner plans with someone or we're supposed to go to a fundraiser or I have a meeting, I will cancel. It is not worth it. Like I need to rest. I think those are kind of like the most important thing. I think those. I think those are things that whether you have MS or not are, are right. good takeaways. <laughs> oh, that we can yes. all be better at. <laughs> yes. Interesting. So, can we talk a little bit about like resources you may have found that have been helpful? Helpful, and then kind of what went into did, did the MS diagnosis go into Hello My Tribe, which is a fantastic resource for everyone anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of how that was born. Amazingly, I was actually working on Hello My Tribe prior to my diagnosis, yet my diagnosis was like another fire under my butt that we need to take better care of women and mothers, and they need to be supported um, on their journeys. So for me, um, you know, finding the right doctor for you, I think is really important. I do read up. You know, I like reading both personal experiences and stories, like anecdotal research, and that's coming out. So I do a lot of reading online. Something that I've loved, and this has really come through Hell of My Tribe, is I've shared my diagnosis on there. And then I have other women who have said, I am a young or new mom with MS too. I've never met anybody else. And so... I exchange emails with these women, you know, sometimes on a regular basis, like questions, like, I don't know if I'm going to have another child, but if I do, like, what was it like for you to go through, you know, getting off medicine, pregnancy, breastfeeding, get, getting back on medicine. Um, so I've built like a little mini community around, you know, young moms with MS. And I think, and sometimes I don't talk to them for months, but just knowing I'm not alone and that I can Yeah, no, that's huge. Changer for me. Yeah, that is, it is a game changer. I think across the board, no matter what you're going through, knowing you're not alone. <laughs> um, even just as a right. 
breastfeeding mom at, at 3 a.m. My husband actually the other day said, you know that song, Breathe 2 a.m.? He's like, there should be a second version for breastfeeding moms that's called Sobbing 3 a.m. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I was like, yes, we do need a Sobbing 3 a.m. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but all right, so what do you wish that you knew at the beginning for these mamas who recently reached out and had just found out? Like, what, what do you wish you knew? I think it's, <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's really important to look at the full picture, you know, and to me, that's with anything in life. Like, I don't think, uh, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but I think it's, I don't think taking a pill a day is the right formula. Mm-hmm. I think you have to look at, you know, your sleep, your food, you have to rise, you have to look at your attitude, you have to look at your lifestyle. Right. They all play a part. Yeah, it's comprehensive. What what the right formula is for you, is for you, which should or could you know include medicine, but looking at the whole picture, I think is really important. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, across the board with a lot of things that if we just add medicine to it, it doesn't necessarily right at the root of the problem. Yeah, but it's you know in those moments when you're scared and you're already overwhelmed with life, right? Like mm-hmm. you have a child, you might be taking care of the home, you might have a a job also outside the home and you're balancing all this stuff and you're already overwhelmed and then you're thrown this huge curveball of a diagnosis of MS or whatever autoimmune disease it might be or something else. It's like sometimes you just want a quick fix or you just want Mm -hmm. to do whatever that doctor says, but it might not be the best thing for you in the long run. Right. Well, you might not need just that. Yeah. Right. Totally. No, I think that that's great advice that it's, it is comprehensive with so many things in our life. Uh, so before we wrap up, can you talk a little bit about Hello My Tribe and, and what it is and kind of where people can connect with you? Sure. Um, so Hello My Tribe, we are a platform focused on the well-being of women and mothers. Our biggest focus is on community and we think that community is the foundation for these women to get the support and information that they need to have a positive impact on their lives. And so for us, community comes in many different forms. It's, it's written content, it's podcasts, it's, you know, online and offline experiences and memberships and events. Um, it's all about community and supporting these women. And, you know, from my story, you can hear like, I started this out of my own personal need. I was so desperate for community. I was so desperate for information and support and understanding and opportunities. And I just, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it in person. I couldn't find it online. I couldn't find, you know, people talking about the real raw, honest side of being a woman, of being a mother, while also providing, you know, hope and solutions. Um, And so that's what Hello My Tribe is. There are many ways to get involved. You can read our content online. You can become a contributor of ours. You can become an editor of ours. You can join our, you know, our Instagram community. We're actually a very engaged community on Instagram. Um, we're about to be launching our own podcast. Um, and then we have, we have a um, pilot program here in Austin, Texas of a community on the ground. We have about 60 members. They get together every single month for a movie night and every single month for a dinner night. And then they have a behind the scenes community, like a private Facebook page where they can communicate and support one another. And, 
you know, we're, we're thinking about and talking about replicating that to other cities. We hear from women all over the country all the time saying, can you please start a community in my city? I'm lonely and I don't know how to meet other moms. And so for us, it's, you know, we're a digital platform, but the in-person experience and community is really important to us. I love that. It sounds like, yeah, I was born literally for what you needed at the time. I love that. Yep. So yep. authentic and organic. Um, fantastic. So we will link to the Instagram and to your website um, in the show notes for this and on our blog. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Alyssa, thank you so much for having me and giving me this opportunity to share my story. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. If this podcast has helped you on your journey, please take two minutes to leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for joining forces with us to cultivate this modern parenting village. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.